Chapter 2. Isn't Christianity Against Diversity? Three years ago, I was sitting on a plane next to a 12-year-old boy from Ghana in West Africa. He was wearing three wristbands. The first one said, unaccompanied minor, because he was flying alone. The second said, commitment to kindness. The third said, walking with Jesus. This young man had only recently moved to America. I asked him if it felt different being a Christian in Ghana versus in America. He said, yes, because there are lots of Christians in Africa, but there aren't so many in America. I asked him why he thought that was, and he said, because Americans believe in diversity. The word diversity is everywhere today. Its basic meaning is differentness, but we often use it to mean accepting and welcoming people who are different from us. There are three main reasons why people think that Christianity is against diversity. First, people think that Christianity is basically a white Western religion. They see the ways in which white Westerners, like me, have at times harmed and oppressed people from other racial and cultural backgrounds rather than accepting and welcoming them. So they think Christianity is a way for white Westerners to keep their power over others. That's the concern we'll focus on in this chapter. Second, Christians believe that Jesus is the only way to God, and people think this is disrespectful and unloving towards those who believe in other religions. We'll explore this concern in chapter 3. Third, people think Christians are hateful and intolerant towards those who are different in other ways. For example, people who identify as gay or transgender. We'll talk about that in chapters 7 and 8. People tend to lump all different kinds of diversity together, but throughout this book, we'll see that there are different kinds of difference, some related to the way we were born, others to the feelings we have, the choices we make, or the things we believe. We need to understand different kinds of difference differently. But across all kinds of difference, we'll see one basic overarching theme. Jesus commands not just tolerance of those who are different from us, but deep, expensive, unrelenting love. Jesus created diversity. One of my favorite parts of the Bible is the beginning of John's Gospel. It goes like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 1, verses 1 through 5. As the story goes on, we discover that this word is Jesus. If what John says is true, it means that Jesus invented diversity. He made people from Europe and Africa and Asia and South America. He made you, he made me, and he made the Ghanaian boy sitting next to me on my flight. He made black Americans and white Americans, Native Americans and Asian Americans, he made people whose parents have similar racial heritage, like me, and people whose parents have different racial heritage, like my beautiful friend Catherine, whose mother came from Ghana and whose father came from Korea. Jesus himself was a brown-skinned, Middle Eastern Jewish man. But he delights to make people with all different kinds of skin color and eye color and hair type and body type. Jesus loves to be created, so he makes people beautifully different. It's helpful for all of us to remember this when we feel bad about how we look. When I first met my mother-in-law, she showed me photos of my husband when he was a baby. Between you and me, he looked pretty terrible. 
He had about 15 chins and lots of funny features, but when he laughed, but when I laughed at how he looked, his mother was not happy with me. That was her baby I was laughing at, and in her eyes, he was extremely cute. When God looks at you, however imperfect you might think you are, or however different from others you feel, he sees his beautiful child, and he delights in you. What's more, despite our physical differences, the very first book of the Bible tells us an amazing thing. God made all humans in his image and after his likeness. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. What does this mean? We're all made in God's image. As I write this, my son is one year old. People often tell me he looks just like my husband, except that he's a baby with fat, smooth cheeks, and my husband is a grown man with a scruffy beard. The idea of a child looking like a parent is part of what the Bible means by us being made in God's image. But there are two reasons we know this is not about how we look physically. First, until God became man and the person of Jesus, God did not have a physical body that we could look like. Second, because God made so many different people all equally in his image, we can't say that God looks like any one kind of person. My son might be the baby-faced image of his dad, but every human infant in the world, whatever his or her racial heritage, is made in the image of God. We learn more about what being in God's image means when Jesus says that anyone who has seen him has seen the Father, and when Paul t calls Jesus the image of the invisible God. We know almost nothing about what Jesus looked like physically. We can guess from where Jesus came from and the culture he lived in that he had brown skin and a beard. People have often painted pictures of Jesus with pale skin like mine, but that's not accurate. We also have a little hint from a prophecy in the book of Isaiah that Jesus wasn't especially good-looking. But while we don't know much about Jesus' body, we know a lot about his character, how he lived, how he thought, and what he said and did. All these things give us glimpses of what God is like and how we too might image him. None of us image God perfectly, as Jesus did, because he is holy and we are all messed up with sin, but we are all made in God's image. It doesn't matter how young or old we are, if we do really well in school or if we have a learning disability, if we are able-bodied able or unable to walk or talk or see, if we're male or female, if we're black or white or Asian or Hispanic or Native American, or a beautiful mix of different racial backgrounds, we're all made in God's image. So Jesus invented diversity by creating people with all sorts of different bodies and minds, but he also invented equality because we are all equally made in God's image. When people look down on others because of their racial background or body type or mental ability, they're going against God's plan and they're not listening to what the Bible says. Jesus commanded love across difference. People often think that the Bible was written by white Western people, but it wasn't. The Bible was written by brown-skinned Jewish people from the Middle East, and it teaches us to love those who are different from us. Jesus said God's most important commandments were first, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength, and second, love your neighbor as yourself. When someone asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? He told a story called the parable of the Good Samaritan, in which a man from a hated racial and cultural group showed love to someone who was different from him. So Jesus puts love across differences right at the center of his moral teaching. In his own life, Jesus repeatedly broke through racial and cultural boundaries. 
For example, he made friends with a Samaritan woman at a well, despite the fact that Jews in his day hated Samaritans. And after Jesus' death and resurrection, he told his disciples to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. In the book of Acts, which tells us the story of the first Christians, we see Jesus' followers preaching the good news about Jesus to people from all sorts of countries, from Iran, Iraq, and Turkey in the Middle East, to Egypt and Libya and Africa. In Acts 8, we meet the first known black Christian, an Ethiopian man. And in the New Testament letters, we see how Jesus brought people from all different racial and cultural backgrounds together. For example, Paul wrote to Christians living in Turkey, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all, and is in all. Colossians 3.11 This might not make much sense to us. For instance, I had to look up who the Scythians were. It turns out they were nomadic warriors who lived in Siberia and liked tattoos. But Paul is calling out some of the major racial, social, and national differences of his time and place. In America today, he might say, Here there is neither European-American nor African-American, neither Asian-American nor Latino-American, neither rich nor poor, neither Californian nor Texan, but Christ is all and in all. Jesus calls people from all different backgrounds to be his body on earth together. If we look back through history, we'll see that Jesus' teaching was the original foundation on which people built the idea that all humans are equally valuable and that you should love people from different countries and races and backgrounds. People in the Roman Empire didn't think that at all. In fact, most belief systems throughout history have not taught that all humans are equally valuable. I recently finished reading a book called Dominion, How the Christian Revolution Remade the World by British historian Tom Holland. He is not a Christian himself, but he shows from history that it's really because of Christianity that people today, whether they identify as Christians or not, think that all humans should be valued equally, regardless of their race or sex or nationality, and that you should love people who are different from you. Jesus really did invent diversity. But we also see many examples in history of Christians hating, hurting, and enslaving people of other racial backgrounds, despite what the Bible clearly teaches. So what are we to make of this? Them and Us A few months ago, I saw a video of a little white boy and a little black boy running down the street to hug each other. It was a lovely image, and people were saying this video showed that we humans naturally love people who are different from us. There is some truth in this. Last week, I was talking with my eight-year-old daughter about some horrible examples of violence toward black people. She is white, but her three best friends in her class at school are all black, and she simply cannot understand why people would treat others differently just because of their skin color. But most people in the world haven't had the chance to grow up really knowing people of different racial backgrounds, and we humans naturally form groups of them and us. For much of our history, humans have lived in tribes and fought against people from other tribes. Today, most humans don't live in tribes in quite the same way, but nonetheless, we find ways to make in-groups and out-groups, people we want to hang out with and people we don't. We might divide people according to whether they like the right music or wear the right clothes, or whether they're rich or smart or funny or seen as especially good-looking. We all want to be in the in-group and fear being in the out-group. You see this in middle school and high school. But people don't grow out of it. Adults are desperate to belong as well. And one way that people have often split up into groups is by their racial or cultural background, especially if one racial group has more power than the other. We see terrible examples of this in American history. 
For instance, for hundreds of years, black people were kept as slaves by white people. They were made to work hard for no money and were often beaten and ill-treated. Even before they got to America, millions of enslaved Africans died on the ships that were transporting them. My own country of Britain transported over three million Africans on slave ships during this time. After slavery was made illegal in the U.S., black Americans were not given the same rights as white Americans. They weren't allowed to live in the same neighborhoods, go to the same schools, use the same bathrooms, or ride in the same sections of buses. Even after they got the same legal rights, black Americans have continued to face prejudice, discrimination, and violence. People made in God's own image, people for whom Jesus came to die, have been treated like their lives just didn't matter. This is an offense against God. Throughout this history, many of the leaders who have fought against this kind of injustice have been Christians. For example, William Wilberforce led the campaign to abolish slavery in Britain. Harriet Tubman escaped from slavery and risked her life to help other enslaved people break free. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. led the civil rights movement in the 1960s, and lawyer Brian Stevenson founded the Equal Justice Initiative in Alabama in 1989 and wrote the best-selling book, Just Mercy. These leaders, and many others, were driven by their Christian faith. But sadly, many of the people who owned slaves in the first place, many of the people who opposed the civil rights movement, and many who have engaged in racism since have identified as Christians too. So does this mean that if you care about racial justice, you should not be a Christian? No. First, as we have seen, the Bible is the basis for love across racial difference. But there's another reason too. The Miracle of the Black Church You might think that the history of black people being enslaved and abused by white people who claimed to be Christians would mean that black people in America were the least likely to be Christians themselves, but the opposite is true. Amazingly, many enslaved Africans became followers of Jesus. They saw that Jesus was on the side of the oppressed, not the oppressors. They saw that Jesus cared about their suffering and that their lives mattered to him so much that he was willing to die for them. They read in the Old Testament that God's people had once themselves been enslaved in Egypt, and that God had rescued them from slavery, so they put their hope in God to save them too. The 2019 film Harriet tells the story of Harriet Tubman, who escaped slavery herself and went on to help hundreds of others escape. She was nicknamed Moses, after the man who led God's people out of slavery in the biblical book of Exodus. Like Moses, she was trusting God to guide her as she did the dangerous work of helping people escape slavery. And like many of the leading black abolitionists, Harriet Tubman saw her faith in Jesus as the most important thing in her life. When Frederick Douglass, another leading anti-slavery campaigner, became a Christian at age 13, he remembered how God changed his heart like this. I loved all mankind, slaveholders not accepted, though I abhorred slavery more than ever. I saw the world in a new light, and my great concern was to have everybody converted. Likewise, when a woman named Sojourner Truth traveled around speaking against the slavery that she herself had previously endured, she said she always had one text, When I found Jesus. People became Christians even while they were enslaved to other people who called themselves Christians was the beginning of the black church in America. The black church was the driving force of the civil rights movement led by Baptist pastor Martin Luther King Jr., Today, black Americans are almost 10% more likely to identify as Christians than white Americans, and nearly half of all black Americans go to church every week, versus only a third of white Americans. Black women in America are particularly likely to be Christians, while white men are more likely than others to be atheists. 
So what about in the rest of the world? Jesus delivers diversity. Today, Christianity is the most diverse belief system in the world, with roughly equal numbers of Christians living in Europe, Latin America, and Africa, and with a rapidly growing church in Asia. Christianity isn't just for people from one country, one culture, one race, or one language. It's for people from every country, every culture, every race, and every language. In the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, we get a glimpse of how things are going to be at the end of time when a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, will worship Jesus together. Revelation 7, verse 9. If you're a Christian, this is your destiny, and even now it's becoming a reality. The church community group that meets at our house every week includes black people, white people, and Asian people. We have members who immigrated to America from Ghana, Ethiopia, Singapore, England, and Romania. We have people who grew up in Christian families, and people who only just became believers in Jesus last year. We grew up speaking many different languages, and we come from many different places, but we are one body together because we all trust in Jesus, and our group is a little picture of the global church. Despite all the sins of racism committed by Christians over the centuries, Christianity is the greatest movement for diversity in all of history. The Ghanaian boy I sat next to on the plane thought that there were fewer Christians in America because Americans believe in diversity. But he and I are evidence of the diversity at the heart of Christianity. He's male, I'm female. He grew up in Ghana, I grew up in England. He's black, I'm white. He's a kid, I'm an adult. But because we're both walking with Jesus, we belong together. Not just now, but for all eternity. Chapter 2 Summary God created all human beings of every race and ethnicity equally in his image. Jesus was a brown-skinned Jewish man from the Middle East who commanded his followers to love those who are different from them and to make disciples of all nations. Jesus' life and teachings are the original reason we believe in human equality and they are still the best foundation for racial diversity. Christians have often failed to obey Jesus' commandments and instead have hated, abused, and enslaved people who have a different racial background. For example, millions of Africans were transported as slaves to America. Despite this evil, many enslaved Africans became Christians themselves, and their descendants today are the most likely Americans to be followers of Jesus. Many leaders who have fought against racial injustice have been driven by their faith in Jesus. Jesus calls people from every tribe and language and nation to follow him. Today, Christianity is the most diverse belief system in the world, with roughly equal numbers of Christians living in Europe, Latin America, and Africa, and a rapidly growing church in Asia. Christianity isn't against racial and cultural diversity. It's the most racially and culturally diverse movement in all of history. <laughs>